Ezra builds a new lightsaber. Morgan Elsbeth gains new powers. The race to stop Thrawn is on as the Sky Guys are back for part eight of Ahsoka. We are back here on the Sky Guys. Part 8 of Ahsoka is in the book. Season 1 fully wrapped up here. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Phillips. Joining me today, a man's voice here narration every single week. Pete Constantine is here. Pete, how are you? Doing well. We're we're finally here. The finale of Ahsoka. Uh, if you asked me when this show started that we'd be here so quickly, I would I would tell you you're lying. Uh, but it's, uh, it's great to be here as always. Glad to talk stars with you as always. And it's the Ahsoka finale. So hopefully we have some great points to make here that we can, you know, bounce uh, some ideas off each other too for maybe next season. Yeah, time's a flat circle because on day of recording, P, it feels like this as it was when the summer start when the show started in the summer. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Also, this here today, uh, the force ghost of Nick Freyetta is here. Nick, how are you? Doing good. Um, we're done. We finished Ahsoka. We're one step closer to our big Mandoverse finale. And I just got to say, before we even get started, if you go back to last week's episode and listen to my prediction, it could not have been much closer. Yeah, you were pretty much right there. You did not include Ezra building a lightsaber, as Pete did. That's right. I did not include Ezra um, getting back, but everything else was pretty much spot on. Yeah, that's for sure here. And Pete, people want to subscribe us here on the Sky Guys and do so Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Amazon, all your usual suspects. Simply search for the Sky Guys favorite podcast platforms. My episode's there, and those of you who listen to us on the Justin and Suffering feed, I know there's fewer of you now, most of you switched over, but we are going goodbye after this episode, so if you want to hang around with us for the postseason stuff, if you want to jump on the podcast feed. Yeah, postseason and off-season content coming to you through the podcast feed only, so make sure you're subscribed for new-time listeners. If you're on the Just End the Suffering feed, make sure you subscribe to Just End the Suffering, because it's a great podcast that Mike puts on, but also subscribe to our feed. Yep, and uh, Nick, if you want to follow the social media, how can I do that? Um, at Sky Guys Podcast on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Threads, and TikTok. Yep, you can also check out uh, the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video version of the podcast is up there with our props here. And uh, I should remove one lightsaber from Lego Ahsoka Pete now that she has lost one. Yeah, Disney's been uh, pretty heavy on people losing their weapons as of late. Yeah. So you can make that adjustment real easy. Yeah, I can make it very easily here. And uh, I'll mention here once again that Actually, Nick, you can get to the Star Wars news real quick because this item that I mentioned here, like we might not have an actor strike much longer. Yeah, we finished the the writer's strike, but the actors are still going on, and it looks like they're trying to negotiate, come to an end. That sounds good. And then uh, also the Acolyte trailer kind of leaked online. I didn't watch. I know you I think you had sent it to us, but I, I didn't take a look. Did you to get a look at it? I did not get a chance to look at it before it got taken down. But from what I heard, everybody who saw it said that they were impressed with what they saw. Cool. So that's presumably our next show or Skeleton Crew? I think it's Skeleton Crew. And then I think it's this and then it's Andor. I think that's the next three in live action. Oh, well, let's see. Yeah. Yeah, I think what we're to round this back out, I think once the actor strike resolved, then we're going to get a clearer picture of when stuff to start coming out again. Yeah, it was great to have the writer's strike uh, resolved, but now we also have this kind of lingering piece now. So once that gets back, hopefully production ramps up and we get some content when we're supposed to. Yep. So is that all we got for the news this week? That's it. All right. So let's now get into uh, part eight of Ahsoka. It's titled The Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. So a very Chronicles of Narnia name pun here. So, uh, Pete, what did you think of the finale? I loved it. Um, was it the best episode of the season? No, but I still liked it very much. Um, I think it's a great way to end the season. Um, and it, it opens the door for a lot of different options. Season two, movie, whatever you want to go at. at and, we'll, and we'll talk about that more as the podcast goes on. Yeah, Nick, what did you think? I know you were, I said like you liked the episode, I know, in our offline conversation. But you said it was, you didn't feel like it was a good season finale. No, I, I, not necessarily that. Um, I just, I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked it. I thought it was good. I don't have any issues with the episode, really. Like, hard issues. I have little nitpicks, absolutely. But um, it was good. I, I didn't absolutely love it, but I understand they're building towards something else. I think a lot of people out there are upset 
because there wasn't a lot of closure and there was a lot of things open-ended. And I said this last week, they're going to leave things open-ended. This is not the end of this story. This is not even the end of this show. This show is going to continue, and then this story is going to continue beyond this show. If you were expecting any sort of closure in terms of Thrawn dying or them getting back all in one piece and starting the war with Thrawn right away, you got years to wait. Years. Yep. I'll also add here, I think in terms of what was delivered to us here, it was a, I, was, I thought it was a great episode. I give Dave Filoni a lot of credit for this because when the show is conceived, it's an eight-episode se- season here, and you could easily have seen, you know, this goes off the rails, pacing is like wackadoo like Boba Fett was or Mando was, at season three was. You get a nice, well-rounded eight-episode story, you get character growth here, and the characters are left in place here where you can have multiple ways to get this back up here. If you say one and done, the story is done. They can pick up the characters and bring them into the Mando movie. Or you can also do a season two if you want here. So I think that, Pete, they left the door very neatly ajar for them to do whatever they want with these characters. And I think that's perfect. Um, like Nick was saying, I think that a lot of people on the internet or the fans are not terribly happy about it. Um, season two is not something that's confirmed, but I know it's something that's been talked about right behind the scenes, I would assume. Um you know, I, I think closure to the show would have made it probably more fast paced. I think if they had to answer a bunch of questions by episode eight, they would have to rush through it and we get a typical Disney plus Star Wars show. Um, I think with this pacing and leaving it open ended, I think we get a beautifully written and beautifully paced show with the exception of maybe one episode and a couple of scenes. So I think I think it was perfect. Yeah. And Nick, I mean, point of evidence here, I mean, like, Balin and Shin, two big characters season, we barely see them in this finale, which means that they definitely have plans for these characters beyond like this this episode of the show. They do. We really wonder about the former Balin, that is, and how they're gonna what they're gonna do with him, considering, you know, Ray. Yeah. And his unfortunate turn of events there. But we'll see. I definitely more to come with these characters. They left it open ended for them as well, too, and uh, you just gotta see what happens with them, what they do with the actor. Yeah, for sure. We'll see. We'll talk about that next week a little bit when we do some uh, post-season uh, review here. We'll have a couple of guests come out with us and break it down. We'll get into this episode specifically here. We'll try and keep it contained to just what's happening in ep- Part 8 here. And, uh, Pete, what do you think of the title here? You, you're a big Chronicles of uh, Narnia guy? I'm telling you, I, the, the minute it came through, I was like, wait, that's that's Narnia. Is that? I'm assuming that had to be planned, right? Yeah. I can't see that not being a planned thing. I'm sure that was planned. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it was okay. I mean, I, I not that I don't like play on titles. I just think that you can make an original title. You don't have to go that route um, unless there's some sort of special meeting there when it comes to Narnia and Star Wars that I don't know. Maybe a connection with an actor or whatever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I thought maybe like an original title would have been a little bit better. Yeah. Let's get to uh, the episode itself here. We'll start off with Thrawn before we get to the title card here that they get the card on board and Morgan is and Thrawn talking here, and uh, Nick Morgan Thrawn gets a lec- lecture to Morgan and says, "Hey, do not underestimate the Jedi here." It's like I reigned to one Jedi, and he destroyed my entire plans here. So the fact there's three of them running around here, not great. So great, another callback to Rebels for us here. Yeah, and uh, I guess I guess Sabine's a Jedi. Yeah, I uh, guess so. StarWars.com yeah, said she is. Yeah, that was quick. Yeah, um, one of my gripes this episode is we all spent the last eight years complaining that Ray was a Jedi with no training and then Sabine became a Jedi from trying harder. Yeah. In episode three, she couldn't move the cup, but now she can do whatever because she tried harder. Yeah. Def- I, I have a gripe of mine. I have thoughts on that in a minute here, but uh I did like that. I don't I, I don't like hate it. I'm not like completely turned off to the idea of it, but it is a little soon. But you, I told you off the air that my biggest gripe with this episode is Thrawn. Yeah. Well, we'll get to and him. we'll get to that. We're talking about his plans now, are we not? Well, the beginning of the episode plans, we're which kinda, is the Morgan Elsbeth stuff. Yeah, he's talking to Morgan about not understanding the Jedi here, and uh, we found out that we found out what his use of the Great Magic, the Great Mother's magic, is here, Pete, as well. We found out that they he wants them to basically transform Morgan into a full-on Night Sister. Great, like, uh, great mother level of power here. So it was just kind of cool to see. It was. Um, it, it definitely was. I thought um, it was appropriate. I don't think anything there was forced. I don't think anything there was cheap. Um, I thought it was a pretty cool scene. I don't want to go too much more into the scene just in case you guys want to talk about it, but I'm, I'm sure we will. 
Yeah, and Nick, I did like the fact here that they go and they deep, deep Clone Wars cut here when they conjure the Blade of Talzin to give to Morgan as her weapon here. And this is something that comes from, I've, I've looked this up here again because I forgot the exact episode. This is a season six episode of Clone Wars where Mother Talzin fates, fights Mace Windu with this blade. So very fun to see that actually show up. Yeah, that was a cool moment. Good to see that blade again. And obviously that blade is just completely riddled with magic that allows it to block a lightsaber. So she's able to fight someone with a lightsaber, similar to how she fought Mace Windu with it. And now giving it to Morgan is just pretty obvious that she's going to fight someone. At this point, you don't know. It ends up being Ahsoka. You know it's going to be one of them, though. And um, that that happens. <laughs> yep. Let's go ahead now. We go. We get past the car. We get to Ezra and Hu Yang aboard the uh, Jedi ship where Ezra's building his lightsaber here. And uh, P, I did think it was fun that, like, uh, this little bickering back forth between Ezra and Hu Yang about the proper way to build a lightsaber. It was great. You know, Hu Yang's like, I got thousands of years of experience here. And uh, Ezra's like, no, no, I got it. Um, you know, I've built one before. So it was a pretty cool banter between the two of them. Yeah, Nick, I know there was a Rebels reference that snuck, you, that snuck here. If she want to share with the audience. Yeah, um, I actually don't remember the exact dialogue, but I think Ezra said, like, or I don't remember who said it. One of them said, like, oh, the emitter's too small. It won't work. And that's like a nod to, or I don't know if it's a jab or a nod, but it's the Rebels' lightsabers were so thin. Yeah. That's why it was too small, or that's why the emitter was so small, because it had a thin blade. Yeah, it was a pencil-thin lightsabers. Yeah, those lightsabers and Rebels were always funny looking. Yeah. So they took a little shot at that here, and I did think... It was very nice Rebels moment for us here when uh, Sabine confirmed, like, tells Hu Yang that uh, Kanan taught him how to build the lightsaber, his master here. And it was fun to Pete to see also that Hu Yang basically helped tell the story of how he helped Kanan build his lightsaber and he was a youngling. And uh, he kept the other model, basically, piece that Ezra was looking for and gave it to Ezra because he was his former manager. So nice bit of full social moment to kind of get Kanan in the show without having the actor there. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I thought Ezra's reaction to it was very matter-of-fact. I don't think that... I mean, if someone gave me a second piece that was going to be a part of my old master's lightsaber, I think I'd be a little bit more sentimental. It seemed very kind of like, oh, yeah, this is perfect, and he just puts it on. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think it was really cool. I think, again, same thing like they did with Princess Leia. They had the character mentioned and be a part of it without actually having to show the character, which I liked. Yeah, here. And I think the important part of this scene, Nick, is right here where we find out Ezra does the audience a favor here. It says, asks Hu Yang, like, hey, why did these two split up? Why aren't they working together as well as they should? And then Hu Yang tells us, the audience, and Ezra, like, okay, you know, when Sabine and Ahsoka were training like together, the fall of Mandalore happens, which they do places now after uh, the events of Rebels. And, and I think my... According to my, if my timeline is correct here, that this is basically the Empire destroys as part of the Mandalore contingency plan, basically where they blow up half the try and blow up half the galaxy if the Emperor dies. Sorry, I'm sorry, Mike. I, I was distracted by something going on on my end. You might want to go to Pete for this. Yeah, so like that's basically the, the timeline that run, is going on. Is basically that after the Empire falls, after the Emperor dies, that. They raise a bunch of planets. Mandalore is one of them. Sabine's family died. Ahsoka basically cuts her training off and says, hey, like, I had, like, I'm afraid of, like, you coming to Jedi for the wrong reasons and using your powers for revenge and sort of worrying about she could go down the Anakin path from fear of loss, and that basically cuts her off there. So what do you think about, like, that revelation? I, uh... I gotta say, I think it was a great way to explain why Ahsoka cuts her off. Um, I think... There was speculation of she cut her off because she feels like she failed Anakin. Um, this was more I see what's happening, so I'm just gonna just gonna leave him and stop training her so it doesn't happen. It's more proactive than it is um it's more proactive than it is afraid. But I think in turn she could have left the same mark with with Sabine, right? When she leaves the Jedi Order uh back in the Clone Wars, it 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 scars Anakin, makes Anakin go a little a bit closer to the dark side, to the wrong side of things. Sabine has this resentment toward Ahsoka a little bit when we first start the show. Not crazy resentment, but a little bit more. She just doesn't have those tools. 
So the stoppage of of that training really kind of saved, I guess, some bean from turning to to maybe what Balin Skull is. Uh, Nick, what did you think about what we saw with that? No, I actually have nothing to add. I completely agree with Pete. All right. So in terms of that, here we do build on this. We got a conversation outside the Soka and Sabine. Soka apparently was just chilling on top of the ship, just being all zen. And she basically calls out Sabine says, hey, you know, I, I knew you gave Bane with the map. And Sabine apologized for it, says, hey, I made a mistake. Ahsoka forgives her here. She says that she learned from Anakin how important it is to be there for Sabine like he was for her because she points out that Anakin was there for me when no one else was. I'm going to be there for you when nobody else is going to be there for you. And basically teaches her some lessons here in terms of that. Nick, how do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, that's nice. I, I'd like to see that. Transpo- uh, you know, happen a little bit more. I guess it kind of happens a little bit later in the episode, but yeah, uh, it's a nice conversation. I don't really have much to add to it, honestly, except you, you know, practice what you preach. Let's see it, Ahsoka. Yeah, P. I think it's something she learned from the World Between Worlds experience here, where like Anakin was like looking out for her one more time, and she sort of realized, you know, like I've not done right by Sabine, so maybe I should like practice this a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, that World Between Worlds episode is really the pivot of of how Ahsoka looks at life and training and the rest of the show. Her outlook's different, right? Um, so it makes sense that that's when this this changes. And, and you're absolutely right. She finds out and figures out, hey, I haven't really been there for Sabine like I should have, like a master should, like Anakin was for me. Um, and we finally get that, you know, pen to paper words actually coming out of her mouth saying that, which I think was cool. Yeah, and then a little bit of banter afterwards. Like, hey, like you keep up your training. Sabine says, I'm working my lightsaber. And a lesson we've seen caught out several times, including in Rebels multiple times and Kane to Ezra. It's like, there's more just being just a Jedi than just using a lightsaber. So we'll, we'll definitely see how that comes into fruition later. That's right. All right. And then while this is going on, Thrawn has sent two TIE fighters out to try and attack Ahsoka's ship. They knock out the ship's stabilizers. And I very fun action sequence here where Ahsoka and Ezra just jump off the ship and like hold it up with the force to keep the note even getting crushed. And then they fling, they fling like a slingshot and Sabine uses her ship to kamikaze the TIE fighters here. So this was a lot of fun, Pete, the action sequence. I liked it a lot. Uh, I think we get Sabine of, of rebels, right? This, I don't care. I'm going to do what needs to be done kind of thing. Um, You know, the ship was, uh, was under siege, if you will, anyway. So they're like, let's just try to, let's just try to do something with this. Wound up breaking the ship a little bit, but I like that part. I love that part. And Nick, in terms of, I think it's also nice in terms of creative force usage. It was. It was. The only thing that got on my nerves was after the scene was over, like, and the tie was destroyed, or excuse me, the ship was destroyed and the tie fighters were destroyed. And it was like, you know, like, it's like, at least we're okay. This will slow us down a little bit, though. And I'm like, you are going the same speed as the crabs anyway. <laughs> so, like, it, how is this going to slow you down at all? <laughs> Why and, for, and why were they not running? Yeah, like why was there no sense of urgency at all to get to Thrawn? Yeah, I have no idea on that one. That's just, that's that's definitely a plot hole in this episode. That was just weird. They were like relaxing and catching up on old times. It's like let's go. He's leaving in a half an hour or whatever it is. Like let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, unless the only thing I think of is maybe they didn't realize how close Thrawn was to actually leaving. Yeah, I mean that's possible. Yeah, because then once they realized, like, oh, we don't have a ship anymore, now we have to kind of move a little bit. I mean, they, I don't know what they were doing. They were going the same speed. Why were they so focused on the hermit crabs anyway? Like, they were going slow with the Nodi below them. Like, why don't you just get on the ship and fly there? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. Were the Nodi a big help to them? Like, it'd be like, hey, I'll be right back. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's not something that I'm, like, saying is a complete, like, a problem with the episode. or something I'm confused about. There could be an answer to it. I just don't know it. Yeah, Pierre's surprised this was an idea of like, hey, nody people, you want to come to a, a better galaxy? You're not being attacked by uh, pretty and biker gangs every thirty seconds. You could come with come with us and live in uh, the new ga- in the old galaxy. I yeah, I I don't know what the uh, the motivation or what was said to the hermit crabs. Um, I mean, Nick's right. I mean, the, uh, why not just leave them behind or throw them in the ship? Uh, I don't, I don't really understand that part. That was, that was one of the parts that kind of went over my head a little bit. Yeah, I'll say in terms of the result of the attack, though. Here, uh, Nick, you see that Thrawn's a, a leader who clearly inspires respect to his men because when he hears about the death, the destruction of the Tie Fighter, he's like, "That's just it's acceptable. We'll slow them down here." So, like, 
give those give these captains who died a medal. So like he is like restoring like purple hearts to his own men after they die. So I can see why he's just nearing loyalty in them. That is good. Um, that is good. He's showing some sort of loyalty to those men. Gives them a reason to stick around and not just abandon him whenever they get where they're going. Yeah, that's all good. I just don't like what he did in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Here he, he also he also orders Enoch to uh, send a ground assault after uh, the trio there. And this is fun here because while this is going on, we see that Ahsoka, Ezra, Sabine go after Thrawn on the uh, on the dog-like creatures. Morgan sends some night troopers after them here. So we see they arrive at the edge of the uh, temple base here, Pete. And Ezra says that when he got to the planet, like Thrawn basically found the Night Sisters, recruited them, and started building a ship and getting all these forces together here. And Ezra said, hey, it's too dangerous for me to do this by myself. That's why I've been high on the run for 10 years. I think that finally made some sense to get an answer as to why he hasn't done more to stop this. Yeah, um, I kind of figured that was going to be the answer. I mean, what other answer was going to give other than I didn't want to fight anymore, so I just figured I'd hang out with these crabs, right? I, I don't. I think that was kind of expected, that I couldn't take them on alone, so I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, it figures, uh, Nick, what's taking a long time to repair the ship from the damage the whales did to it? Oh, yeah, probably a few years. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure here. And then we get a lot of action coming up here. This is the big run on the to, uh, Thrawn's base here, so... I did think it was cool, the sequence, when they're trying to get in the doors while the Shimera uh, ship is trying to blast them out of, the, out of the sky or whatever. And it's fun seeing, like, Ahsoka and Ezra have to use the Force to open. Sabine can't do it quite yet, but the three of them basically manage to use the Force to open the door and get in before they get get blasted. So a little foreshadowing of Sabine's forthcoming Force usage. Definitely. And I think also my favorite part of the episode, I think in terms of the action pieces here, we finally get the promise of the zombie night troopers here because when they come in, Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine basically mow them down. Ahsoka and Ezra using their lightsabers. Sabine's using her blasters. They cut, cut through them about like five seconds. And then all of a sudden, the Great Mother's like react them. You get this shot here. Pete, great visual effects of them turning into zombies and rising up, attacking them. The movements are very zombie-like. Very, very cool. Yeah, super cool part of the episode. Um, probably like like you had mentioned, probably my favorite part of the episode. Um, not mainly because of the action, just but because I don't think we've gotten any sort of zombies at all in uh, in Star Wars. I mean, maybe reanimations by the, the the witches, but nothing like this. I think, and I, I could correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but it was super cool. Uh, the animation was great, and also the way they've done it, and the cinematography was fantastic as well. Nick, what did you think of the zombie night troopers? It was very cool. Uh, the only thing I don't, I don't love was I feel like when you go and you look at this series and you look at like the defining moment in your last episode, this was it, and I feel like that doesn't come close to what it should be. Yeah, like the defining moment of your finale was this. Even when you compare that to other shows, you compare this to Obi Wan, you have the big Obi Wan Vader battle. You compare this to even Boba Fett, you have the Boba Fett Cad Bane battle. Mandalorian, you have Luke Skywalker, and the season one, you have the IG um, Eleven with the suicide mission and whatnot. Like that doesn't this doesn't come close to any of those moments. Even Mandalorian season three, when Grogu saves everyone, like if this is your defining moment of the season, it's not good. Yeah, I will give you that here, but I will also point out here, I do think, like, in terms of, like, being a boss here, like, these guys are just, like, so dangerous at that point because, like, you just, just keep killing them. They keep getting reanimated over and over and yeah. over oh, again. Oh, yeah. And, like, literally, you get to the point where you have to just, like, slash the doors and just lock them out because you you can't beat them because they just keep rising again. You just tie yourself out trying to fight them off over and over. So let me ask you a question. Sure. Ezra, Sabine... And Ahsoka were using those blast doors to their advantage by shutting the doors to blocking the, let's just call them the zombies, blocking the zombies from where they were trying to go, right? Yep. If that's the case, why didn't Thrawn just use the doors to stop them? Well, I, th I think that's a great question here. I I'm sorry. I, I hated Thrawn in this episode. I hated him. Yeah. You couldn't they just cut through the door with their lightsabers? Like quite I, I guess I, I yeah I suppose they could have yeah it would take that is very, that is very true but they 
wouldn't it at least slow them down or take some time? I mean, I don't know how thick these doors are here because Pete, this, this I, I don't know this either. Like, I think this is like the trade federation ship where like Qui Gon is trying to cut through five doors and one lightsaber here with four lightsabers. They might have gotten through pretty quick. I, I think, I think, and we'll talk about Thrawn a little bit later, but I think it's just Thrawn's arrogance of I've already won. I don't care if they're here. Then, you know, Morgan Elizabeth or whatever, they're taking care of what's going on. Um, that's kind of how I took it. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe the doors are not as, uh, structured as we've seen in star wars before where it doesn't take that long to get through it yeah yeah so we let this go on here he's thrawn sends morgan to slow them down basically tells her hey like i need you to do this you're not coming back with us you have to keep them from getting on the ship and she agrees because she's a good uh loyal soldier of the cause here she shows up with the night troopers and, and ahsoka says i'll deal with her myself she sends sabine and ezra after thrawn here and this is a great sort of dual fight sequence here. We have Sabine and Ezra fighting with two of the actual, like, like death troopers, like, who are reanimated zombies, which is terrifying on their own end. These guys are ridiculously strong here. And we get the big moment, finally, Pete. We've been teased the entire season. Sabine finally is able to use the Force, summons her lightsaber with the Force, and is able to kill one of the uh, zombie troopers that way. So, like, did this finally land for you after a whole season of buildup? It didn't, it didn't. Um, it didn't because of what Nick was saying earlier, how, you know, we compare this to Ray and how she just is able to use the force kind of willy-nilly and because she feels it and whatever. And that's why it doesn't land, but it does land a little bit because at least it takes eight episodes for her, or let's let's actually make it fair, seven or six episodes for her to use the force. Um, and she was also being trained by not only Kane back in Rebels, but Ahsoka. So, um, well, let me, let me backtrack here. Kanan was teaching her how to use the Darksaber, not probably necessarily the Force, if I'm correct about that. And then Ahsoka was trying to go full Jedi training. Um, so I think that's why it's it. I'm in the middle. It doesn't hit because we make that same criticism of Rey, but also it kind of hits well because it's like she was working toward this the whole season, so it makes sense. Yeah, I think Kanan also mentioned like that she had every ability to use the force. She was just not open to it at that point when she was doing it. Right. And I and I think that opens the door for anyone to be able to use the force. But again, if we're going to be critical of Ray, like we have been in the past, when it comes to those spe specific scenes, we have to be critical of Sabine as well. Uh Nick, what do you think? That part as much as the part after is what, what kind of gets me a little bit more. This part doesn't bother me really. Like using the force. Fine. The, even Ray in the Force Awakens using the Force didn't bother me. It was in her. It was in whatever. It's it's what happened after the fact in the sequels that got me. It's like okay, and then a week later she's the, the greatest Jedi ever. Weird. Yeah. You know. But that's what what got me. This part and Ray pulling the saber in the Force Awakens that doesn't get me at all. And that's pretty cool. Uh, well, you did say though. You said Morgan was a loyal soldier. Remember, Rongo's for the Empire and walks away, and she says, for Dathomir. Yeah. I don't think she, I mean, it doesn't matter anymore. She's long gone, but I don't think she's really as loyal as we think. I think she's kind of in it for her own way and her own planet more so than helping Thrawn. Well, I mean, Thrawn's taking the Night Sisters, the Great Mothers, with him back to Dathomir, so she is helping in that regard. Oh, no, she's helping him, but I don't think she's helping him because she believes in the cause. I think yeah. she's in it for selfish reasons. Yeah. So it's a lines of convenience. Yeah, yeah. I think this makes sense to me because I do think like it does work well with the conversation we had early episode where like Ahsoka gets basically comf comforts me and says, "Hey, I'll always be with you. Like I'm on your side at all times." Here, that sort of I think gave Sabina extra confidence to feel like I can do this, and then she finds it within herself to get to use the force at that point, where she had not fully tr felt Ahsoka trust her prior to that. I think that's a fair point. I didn't really think of that until he said it. So. I think that's very fair. Because until then, Nick, I feel like Ahsoka has sort of been very distrustful of Sabine, saying, like, you know, like, you're not doing this the right way, you're not practicing, and sort of, like, when, and she took a different teaching approach, Sabine found it herself to, do, to get the job done. Yeah, I agree. All right, so, well, that's going on here. So, the other thing here, no, this just, I think this is what bothers Nick here, is that when the, as when the Thrawn ship is flying away, uh, Sabine says, let's get on board. And Ezra's like, we can't make that jump, even with the Force. She says, and, and he says, she says, you know what, like, you jump and I'll push you the rest of the way with the Force here. And then Ezra's like, okay. 
And then it works. And he jumps out halfway. Sabine pushes him the rest of the way here. This bothers Nick. Why? So I don't hate this, but it gets on my nerves a little bit. It's like a little much. It's like a, this is like an intense using usage of the force. And using it this quickly, like picking up the lightsaber is like, I feel like the first thing they do. It was like the first thing Luke did and and, and the Empire Strikes Back when he was stuck in the snow. First thing Ray did. That's fine. And I get that. I have no issue with that at all. This is like an intense moment in the Force. It's huge. And it's like so soon. That, that's what gets me. Uh, Pete, did that bother you? Um... I mean, I think I think I'm in the same camp as what I said earlier about the the lightsaber. I'm, it kind of was cool, but also kind of was like, well, wait, what? How is she able to do that? So I'm on the fence about it. All right, so we'll leave that to the side here. But in the meantime, while this is going on here, Ahsoka and Morgan get to the top level there, and Ahsoka basically has one of her lightsabers destroyed. She tells Sabine to go. Sabine has a choice to make here. Do I go help Ezra and have him pull me onto the ship after I jump with the Force, or do I help my master fight Morgan off? And she chooses to go back and help Ahsoka fight Morgan here. So, Pete, do you think this show a lot of growth from Sabine as a character? She's been trying to get Ezra the entire time, and she goes back to her to her master after all this. Yeah, I mean, I think this this is huge character growth. I think that Sabine was probably the 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 most character growth of the entire show. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and I think it just goes back to what Ahsoka finally says to her about I I trust in you and I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with you no matter what. And I think that resonates with Sabine in the reverse that she's gonna stay with Ahsoka no matter what. Yeah, uh, Nick, like, what did you think about the whole Morgan and Ahsoka fight? We didn't, I haven't talked about it much yet here, but like, what did you think about the uh, dueling style here? It was, it was it wasn't bad. I I didn't mind it. I I'll be honest. There's one scene that I specifically minded. I was talking about it earlier. It's when they first fought the stormtroopers before they were zombies. Yeah. I thought the choreography the choreography was atrocious. Yeah. In that specific scene, but here, like the scene where the scene at hand, it wasn't bad at all. I had no issues with it. I thought it was a cool fight. And um, as I predicted, Morgan was killed. Morgan dies. The green dust comes out of her, like our friend Barack back in episode. But why four. did it not come out of the other people? They're not. I don't think they're knights. I don't think they're night sisters. Barack was. Well, I don't think that. Well, Barack, I think, was a night brother. I don't think the zombie stormtroopers were. Okay, so you're saying that the zombie stormtroopers don't have the dust because they're not either a night brother or a night sister. We only saw the dust because they, they possess the magic themselves. Yeah, I think they're they're not from Dathomir, these these night troopers. Got it. Got it. That's what I would assume anyway. Because I, mean, I think no, I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, so anyway, we, this goes on here. Hu Yang shows up with the repaired ship. He saves Sabine and Ahsoka before the temple was bombarded here. We do get a little sneaky scene here where Ezra gets on the ship, he knocks out a stormtrooper, plays along, then he basically takes the troopers place. You don't see him for a little bit. While this is going on here, Thrawn, his ship is getting ready to jump in the, in the Eye of Scion here. Ahsoka and Hu Yang and Sabine are trying to catch him here. Thrawn basically leaves her a message, this opens a communication with them and says, like, I know your connection to Anakin here, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not going to let the uh, Apprentice of Skywalker get me in here. And then they get jumped to uh, hyperspace before Ahsoka's ship can catch them and they get stranded in Paradia here. I know, Nick, you had a problem with uh, Thrawn here in this in this spot. Not in this spot, no. Not the taunting. Not in this. Not. I mean, taunting. I mean, he was wrong because he did little. He know Ezra was there the whole time, but I don't have really an issue with this part right here. Yeah. So, Pete, were you surprised that they got left behind the Ahsoka Hu Yang Sabine trio? I was surprised because it's. Not what I expected Disney or Star Wars, Disney Star Wars to do. Um, I like that they got left behind. I think that's what makes this show even better. Um, and I think I think it makes the most sense. I think too many shows nowadays always have to end a season as oh the good guy won. Mm, this is just indifferent, and now you know Sabine and Soaker are trapped in that galaxy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nick, you want to add anything before you move on to start the wrap up here? No, I mean I wasn't surprised. That's what I predicted. I, I, I to be honest, I thought everyone was going to be left behind. I, the only surprise to me was that Ezra got out. 
thought everyone was going to be left behind and they were going to have to send a rescue mission to them. But I guess it kind of makes sense that one of them got out so they can kind of say what happened, you know? That does make sense. And if anyone, it makes sense that it's Ezra because then we just basically take who was there and who wasn't there and flip it. Yep. And I think he deserves to go after 10 years on that planet. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get to the aftermath of this thing here. So we see that Ahsoka and Sabine have reunited with the Nodi. They're taking over Ezra's role, sort of their care te- or, or leaders and like uh, protectors here. So, uh, Pete, the Hermit Crabs, if we have a season two, they're going to be back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. I feel like you've done a 180 on the Hermit Crabs. I feel like you love them now. Me? I don't love yeah. them. No, I uh, <laughs> look. We, we've talked about this to an extent, right? Uh, it's not like I absolutely hate them, but it's just like we could we could do better as a as a alien species than just put hermit crabs that talk in a different tongue. Right. I mean, that, that's that's where I was kind of a little pissed off um, because I think it was easy in a way. You know, all the other alien races that we see in Star Wars is not just, oh, I know exactly what that is. They're, they're different and they were kind of original. Um, but, uh, you know. If we get a lot of hermit crabs, if there is a season two, I'm not going to be particularly happy, um, but I'm not totally against them. So you're saying that if we have the prize to the skeleton character of being a stuffed note, you would not be on board for that? Well, here's the deal. I usually lose these character drafts <laughs> anyway, so it doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm scot-free. Watch me. If we do that, I'd win that one just because it'd be funny. That's just how my life goes. I'll win that one, not the things I actually want. Yeah, so the note here is going to hang around here. We do have a little bit of stuff here. Uh, Nick, the Shin scene was confusing a little bit because we finally get her in this episode. She runs up to the biker gang village, basically, and then she hearts her lightsaber up like this and just lights it here. Like, is she saying, I'm your leader? I'm you're gonna I'm going to work with you now? We're going to be a, one, like, plundering family? Or I'm going to do the Anakin Skywalker episode 2 and murder all you guys? Who took that as she's their leader now? You took it as she's the leader. That's how I took it. Yeah. I guess they leave it open-ended. It's possible that she just slaughtered them all. I, I didn't take it that way, though. Yeah, Pete. Shin is the leader of the, of the biker gang. That's good. That, that our new rivalry season two is Shin and the biker gang versus Ahsoka, Sabine, and the Nodi. Yeah, maybe. I feel like that probably is what makes the most sense. Um, I wouldn't be terribly thrilled about it, but yeah. it's a good prediction. All right, let, let's get to Balin also. Balin is interesting here because we we finally see him that he has allowed himself on top of a statue of the father from the Mortis Gods. Nick, would you like to explain who the Mortis Gods are? For the I want, I want, I want you to. I do not this want to. I've done, it, I've done this several times. Mike. Your turn. You have to. No, Yo, you have to. I'm not doing it. I'm, I am muting the mic. I am... Yeah, Pete, you want to take over this one? I I don't know it as much as you do, but uh, I'll I'll give a uh, you know what in, in solidarity with Nick I'm going to do the same thing I'm going to turn my mic off because this is your thing so good luck yeah so anyway in terms of the Morty Scott situation this is a arc in season three of the Clone Wars like Anakin and uh, Ahsoka and Obi Wan land on a planet get pulled on a planet basically where we have four gods representing good evil and the father is the middle of them. And, like, he basically wants Anakin to take his place and keep his son and, sh- and daughter from killing each other here. Ahsoka has been imbued, gets imbued with the daughter's life force at one point or another here. And uh, there are statues around this planet, Nick. They are. And I believe that, well, Balin is on the hand of the father, which means he embodies both the good and the bad, the dark and the light, which is what we've been saying all along, that he's some, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, you'll notice that the sun is there right next to him on his on his left side, our right side, and on the other side is the daughter, but she's missing her head. Yes, and I think that's because Ahsoka embodies the light side, and Ahsoka is more, excuse me, is more or less the daughter, I believe. And I think that the father is kind of Anakin, really, in the sense that he, you know, when you see him in the next scene, he's kind of embraced both the dark and the light. Uh, he returns as a force ghost, but he's wearing his darker robes, meaning that he's kind of embraced both in a way in his in his later days or his force ghost days. And then the sun. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. But I do have an interesting thing to point out. Okay. From that arc. There, if you look at what Balin's looking at, he's looking in the distance at like a mountain on the top of the mountain. There's a light. Yep. You remember this from Mortis, right? Yeah. 
Anakin did the same and looked and went there, and it was a conversation with the father. That's where he was. So maybe that's what he's after to try to find the father. But I thought of something that could be crazy. I doubt it, but it could be crazy. Is that we learned a couple of weeks ago on this podcast that Balin's skull was a North mythology thing and it came from someone who was chasing the sun, right? Yep. And we took that as sun meaning in the sky, the sun, the big, the big yellow thing, the orange thing. Yep, that thing. What if it means the sun? S O N, not S U N. Ah, so you think he's he's trying to find the spirit of the sun, basically? No, I, I don't. I don't think that. I, I want to make it very clear that I do not think that, but I'm saying it's a possibility because I think he's that would make sense. I feel like the sun is based purely on the the the, the, the dark. Although to and me, he's more in the balance. You see what I'm trying to say? Although to be fair, Pete, like Balin has said several times in this series, like something is calling to me, and then we see the light in the distance here. So maybe it is the sun calling to him. Maybe. Yeah, it, it might, and it also kind of makes sense as to why he breaks off away from Shin Hati. I think he just happens to run into Ahsoka during the show. I don't think that was his plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that he was going to do his own thing because he was there, and that's where the sun, you know, might be or whatever. Um, and I think he just happens to run to Ahsoka, so he just kind of like cut his storyline short there a little bit. All right, so that's where we're going to be bailing for now. We'll discuss next week if we think he gets recast or if they just leave the character out completely here. But we also see Thrawn is back here. And Nick, for the first time ever in a live action, we see Dathomir. Uh, Nick is good. So, Pete, I know Nick's the big Dathomir guy. Like, yeah. Were you, were you excited to see this planet? So I actually was pissed off we didn't get to see more of it before the, the show ended. I was actually, like, screaming at my TV today. Um, just saying like, no, 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 show me, show me, don't, don't end it here. Don't end it here. And then they end it where they do. Um, live action Dathomir has probably be one of the top planets that we haven't seen, um, before we saw Mandalore and stuff like that. Those are one of the planets I want to see in live action, uh, pretty badly. Correct me if I'm wrong. We haven't seen Dathomir in live action, correct? No, this is the first time. Right. So I when when I saw that, I was so pumped. I'm like, oh, please be like five more minutes. Show us getting there or whatever. And, and just it just ends. So that's that's that would be very cool if we do get something after that. We'll see Thrawn in the night. The the great mothers uh, on live action Dathomir. Yeah. Also, it's interesting here. You think about here. They did not also like give us the answer of like what the cargo Thrawn, Thrawn was bringing back was. We had to go back to Dathomir for it also, which is interesting. I think those are dead crewmates. I think those are other stormtroopers that have died that they didn't want to bring back as zombies, and maybe they have to get back to Dathomir to like actually rise them. Maybe they're, I don't know. There's, there's got to be something in there that is like so worthwhile that it, it looks like coffins to me. Yeah. Um. So I think it might be dead crewmates. Maybe it's uh, something else, but like I don't know what they would have gotten from that galaxy that would be that important. I think Thrawn's motivation was to get off there and to build his army back, and that's that's kind of what I think is the the best bet. So you think this is basically like these were all the starters who die when in the on the other planet. We just brought them all back. He was making his own zombie army with the Great Mothers. E- either zombie army or do something like they did with like like you know Savage Press or or even with with Maul, where you can change the person, but it's not like a zombie. Um, granted, if you're bringing someone back to life, it's a zombie, you know, esque. But I think it'd be a little bit more meaningful than what they did in this episode where they just made the stormtroopers come reanimate and come back to fight them again. Yeah. Counterpoint to that also, like what if this is like not the stormtroopers are bringing back here. What if this is, you know, like the, the deceased, like members of the, uh, Dathomir clan of the night sister clan, like maybe reanimate. That's what I like, think. you think it's all of them coming back and maybe he has his own like maybe. army of not night sisters who have force magic, power, dark magic powers. But so here's here's my question though the the night sisters and everything they were already in this galaxy they weren't on Dathomir they came apparently like, they were coming back and they they came from the other galaxy to Dathomir on the space whales got it so recently yeah relatively recently got it so so then then it would make sense why there was other people from Dathomir there I thought it was just those three that's kind of where I got like confused all right. And Nick, I know yeah, I agree I, with with you, Mike. I, I have a, one overall just question that maybe I missed. Don't think I missed though. Uh, so Thrawn and Ezra, 
uh, especially just Thrawn in this case, but they they've been Thrawn's been away for some time. He's been in this distant galaxy, which by the way, a little disappointing that after all these years of wondering where Thrawn and Ezra were, they were just they were just really far away. Yeah, they were applying very far it. away. That was it. Like it wasn't like oh, they're in the world between worlds or they're in some weird galaxy where up is down and down. Nope, they were just in another world that was kind of really it was just really far. Yeah, that's kind of like that. But anyway, the point is. How does Thrawn know what happened to the Empire? I'm assuming Morgan told him. Okay. But Morgan just met him, right? Well, I mean, they're probably communicating through Night Sister magic or whatever, so maybe they, they told the Night Sister, the Great Mothers, and the Great Mothers told him. Oh, the Great Mothers definitely told him. That's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. And because the Great the Great Mothers can definitely see it. sense it or see it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's that answers that. All right. And uh, Nick, since yeah, you not get to go to you on that last season, we're excited to see Dathomir in live action. Well, we don't really see it much. Yeah, we see the we see the surface level. We see the planet level. Yeah, I I heard Pete. I heard Pete was yelling at his TV. I heard him from my house. <laughs> but um, we'll we'll get it. We'll get it. This is this is like <sighs> season two material. Yeah, I don't know if this is a problem or if this is a good thing. And I guess we can go around here and see what you guys think. I, I'm kind of indifferent to it. 23. You can't, especially on Disney Plus, you can't just watch a show anymore. No. You cannot sit down and watch one show and say, I'm done. You can't. This is going to lead to three more shows, to a movie, another season. You had to watch six shows prior to this, movies. It's the Marvel effect. So, like, it's the Marvel effect, right? So this was our Guardians of the Galaxy, and that we got introduced to our main villain. We had another villain along the way. Me and you talked about this last year. Like Morgan is just like Ronan. Thrawn is our Thanos. It's if you just want to watch a show in eight episodes and get closure, you're in the wrong platform. And I, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I like it because we're going to keep coming on here. We're just be analyzing the universe, but. Job Other security. people may not have time. Like they don't want to. Like they don't have to wrap their head around everything. They just want to watch a show, see it close, see it end, and go on about their life. I mean, this is like no different than like any other show ending a season. It's like, oh, like this would be a storyline we do in the next season. All shows do this. The difference is like it's not like I mean the references to the other shows is sort of like. But you know, it's gonna. It's not like this. We're not getting closure on what happens to Thrawn in the Ahsoka show. Yeah, we're not. Yeah. This and that, of, I think, is that an issue? I don't. I mean, this is sort of like Star Wars, the franchise. They've not been as bad as Marvel, the franchise, in terms of like overpopulating their content. But I think like there is a point where I think that they are correct to say, hey, maybe we should slow down our pace of what we're putting out. Well, I'd make the argument that it might be a problem, right? Let, let's let's take Game of Thrones for example. If you took the three main storylines of Game of Thrones and you separated them into different shows and you told everyone, okay, keep track of all these shows and when they're airing and the original Game of Thrones came out, and then the da- Daenerys Game of Thrones came out, and then the then the 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 Wall, you know, all that kind of stuff. They did it all at different time frames, and like you had two seasons of this before you get the first season of that. I don't think people would have been so high on Game of Thrones, right? They had a lot of different things happening in one show that got drawn out for a very long time. We won't talk about the ending because of of reasons, um, but safety reasons. Yeah, um, I just think I just think that. They, I mean, look, they're too deep now, but I think Star Wars and Disney just say, okay, we need to stop. If we want Mandalorian to be the main show, we can have these spinoffs, but everything should be happening in Mandalorian. That's it. We should, whatever it is. How cool would this be if there was one show? It is for sake of argument because they called it the Mandalorian. And the episodes, instead of being 38 minutes, whatever they are, 41 minutes. Were like an hour and twenty minutes each, an hour and ten minutes each, and they showed everyone. There were scenes with Ahsoka, and there were scenes with Mando and Grogu in them. There was, and it was like, are they going to meet each other? What's going to ha- similar to how you said how Game of Thrones right. was? Like you have Daenerys and you have Jon Snow. Like, are they going to meet? Are they going to meet? Of course, eventually do. But like I think, all the different I think characters been, and at the end of the show, everything came together. I think that would have been perfect. Cool. You call, you call it some cool. other Mandalorian, call it Air of the Empire or something that they keep saying is going to be the movie with Thrawn and stuff and just make it a 12-13 season thing with eight episodes that are an hour each or whatever and you can build everything in one season. You can have parts you don't like, right? You can have like the Book of Boba Fett part you don't like or whatever, but like that 
makes it more successful that you have Boba Fett, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, all these different characters, all these different things happening in one show. And that is your flagship show. You do it every year, and that's the end of it. Well, we know that won't happen. Right. Well, I mean, we're too deep now. Yeah, there's you, there's no way it's going to happen they're, now. They're pocketing it. Also, like, they would probably lose money on that compared to what they're doing now. Yeah, they're pocketing it right now, what they've, the, the model they've chosen. Let's go back to the episode. You sort of wrap up some of our other storylines here. We see that we forgot about Ezra for a little bit. He, he steals one of the Imperial shuttles. He flies back to the fleet here. He, another Rebels callback. He poses a stormtrooper to come off the ship here. And then the, Hera and all of her like, generals are getting attacked. Chopper recognizes it's Ezra. And then we get the reunion finally between Ezra and Hera after 10 years here. And uh, Nick, I know we weren't thrilled about how the Sabine and uh, Ezra reunion. Do you feel this one was better? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, Chopper was there. He's what was he saying? Did you hear him? I did not hear him. No, no, I couldn't. I couldn't make out what he was saying either. But um, it was it was a good reunion. It, it was more like they were both shocked. Yeah, I think Ezra was shocked. Like I'm actually here, and she was like, "Is that Ezra?" Like you know. Yeah. Uh, Pete, how'd you feel about this one? Yeah, a, a, a tiny bit better than when Sabine and Ezra finally meet. Um, I think. Uh, limitations of what they could do with Chopper's model because that was the the real life Chopper and not the the CGI Chopper when he's on the ship that he couldn't do too much animation or whatever with him so he didn't he just kind of just rolls up to him and that's it um but yeah it was it was it was a, a little bit better i have to give them that yeah and then that's we leave them there then we get back to parody like parody of one last time where we see that Ahsoka and uh, Sabine both kind of sense something. They can't figure out what it is. They kind of say, I don't worry about it. Walk away. Our last shot of the show, we turn around. We see that Anakin's Force Ghost is watching over Ahsoka, like he always has been since he died. So, uh, Nick, did you like how this is how we ended season one? I did, but I took it a little bit differently. I thought Sabine couldn't recognize it, and Ahsoka knew exactly what it was. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier, Anakin's not wearing those same robes he's wearing at the end of Return of the Jedi. He's wearing the robes that he wore in Revenge of the Sith. And I think that's because he's kind of embracing both sides of the Force. Uh, Pete, how'd you feel about the uh, Anakin Force ghost appearance? I thought it was great. Um, yeah, not much more to add other than that. It was a great, great ending to it. Yeah, I did like the appearance of bringing him in. They did a great job keeping Hayden Christian involved in this show. I mean, it's very hard to do with a character who is not living at this point in the timeline. I mean, between the world between worlds, the holograms, and now the Force goes like looking over like proudly on his apprentice. Like that was cool. Very. All right, and that's it for the episode here. That's it for season one. We're gonna be back next week talking more about this here. And uh, Nick, before we move on here, I want to put out a call to the audience here. We're gonna have some guests on here and. If you want to leave us some feedback and we'll answer your questions on that episode, like Nick, tell them how they can do that. You could um, reach out to us on social media. Yeah. You can reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter and I guess threads and TikTok as well. Yep. We're going to put some video, this video up from the podcast here. Leave it up there. Like leave your comments and questions out underneath the video captions and we can answer on the show. That's right. All right, so let's go ahead now. We're going to get to some business here, wrap up the season here. First up is our character draft here, and no appearance in the finale, so Nick wins 3-1, to one, which he's had to send him a Chopper Funko Pot when it comes out. When does it come out? I'm getting, I'm getting antsy here. I went on the website two days ago. It says coming soon, so I'm keeping I ask me notify when it gets available. All right, let's let's set a offline. We'll set a date. If it's not available by that date, and it's like still not coming, then we'll just do it alone. I mean, it's on their website. It says coming soon, so I'm assuming the line's not going to be out before Christmas. Okay. Yeah. All right, so that's the character draft here. Three to one win for Nick. Only two characters in the whole draft showed up. How many characters showed up in total? Well, we'll get to that in a minute here. So we're going to get to the trackers now, the things we kept track of every week throughout the season here. So first up here, animated cameos. We ended up with one more for... uh, for the owl, for Ahsoka's owl for companion, like, is it more, like, Moroni or Morvi or Nick, what's the name of that owl? Oh, I, oh, I don't know oh, how to pronounce it. Morai? Oh, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry, but that's, that's the, it's the, it's the daughter. Yeah, it's the owl spirit that's following Ahsoka around. 
Yeah, it's the daughter in spirit form. Yeah, so I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, so that's that's in there. The other accounts we had were Ryder Azadi and Jai Kello from the premiere, Senator Giano from Resistance, Jason Sandula, we didn't count, the Space Whales and Rex. So yeah. so, so if somebody drafted the Space Whales, it could have had a tie. <laughs> Uh, Should have drafted hermit crabs, bro. It would have been on top. Yeah, they wouldn't have counted as a caveat, though. Yeah, well, actually, the whales appear four times. So I would have, so I could have won the draft. I picked the whales. I would have nominated it had I picked the whales. Yeah. All right. So next up here, live action cameos. Anakin's appearance again gives us eight total. It's Anakin, Carson, Taba, and Steve's review was all the live action cameos we got. That's it, huh? That's it. Those three. That's sad. Uh, Nick, because I know you love it so much, I'm giving you the death that we are on the planet track, and we didn't actually land on the planet, so nine planets visited. The over-under was nine and a half. It was set perfectly. Came in at nine. People who picked the under are celebrating tonight. Although I do feel like, uh, Nick, I feel like us spending like three episodes each on like Seattle's and Parody would probably ruin our chance of going in the over. Yep, but we got damn close. We did here. Uh, Pete, next up here. We had the lightsabers turn on 36 total times over the course of Ahsoka. So about uh, just over, I think like about, what is it, four or five minutes of. Yeah, I mean, this is this is uh, great Star Wars content to me uh, when you have a bunch of lightsabers. So I'm very stoked that we had that many. Yep. And we're also going to add one more lightsaber duel to Borne. We're going to count Morgan using the Blade of Talzin against Ahsoka as a lightsaber duel. So that's 10 duels over the course of eight episodes. That's pretty cool. All right, so that's all the trackers here. Next, we will go over the final counts for everything because we there were three that did not activate the entire season. Two we haven't touched in a while, so we'll talk about those in a bit. But we'll do those next week. So we're going to the MVP LVP board now. The best and worst characters of the season as rated by us over the first seven episodes. Here's where we stand. Lord Balin's on top, plus six. Grand Admiral Thrawn's in second, plus five. Ahsoka in third, plus four. And then our plus twos are Anakin Skywalker, Hera, and Ezra Bridger on the board after last week. Chopper and Hu Yang at plus one round of the positives. Negative side, Morgan Elsbeth, negative one, along with Sabine, Ensign Rick from the premiere, Maroc and Shin Hati. Min Weaver and Captain Hale from the premiere get negative twos, along with Mon Mothma. Shannon Giano is at negative three. The, the parody and biker gangs at negative four. And the New Republic bring up the rear at negative five here. So, Nick, you're up first week. Who is the MVP of the finale for you? My MVP is Huyang. You get to Huyang. Yeah, he, he see, he's the reason that Ezra is where he is. He fixed the ship. He helped everybody out. I guess not necessarily the reason that Ezra's where he is, but he's the reason they're alive. Yeah. He saved the day, and I'm giving it to Huyang. He was, I think, underratedly, like a, if I had to pick an MVP point just for the season, not like per episode basis. I think it is Hu Yang. I think he was a tremendous character in the show. All right, so you're giving Hu Yang a point here. I'm giving it to Sabine this week. I feel like Sabine learning to use the Force finally saves Ezra, gets Ezra home, and he might be able to help them get back eventually now he knows how to get home. And she made a wise choice to stick with her master to help save Ahsoka too in that situation. So Sabine gets the MVP for me. Pete, where are you going? Um... I was going to give it to Sabine as well. I think I'm going to stick with that only because of character development. I think that we finally see a side of Sabine that we probably should have saw a couple episodes ago. And I finally feel like she was an impactful character this, this episode, instead of just being the stereotypical, you know, I don't know, angsty teen, if you will, where it was like, I, I, I'm going to do what I want. Cause I feel, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think she just kind of comes into her own and does a really good job. Yeah. All right. So, I'm going to go ahead here. I'll start the LVP section off here. I This was a hard one for me, Nick. Would you say this is a difficult episode to hand up, find the LVP for? Not me. All right. I'm going with one. I thought about this earlier, and I'm just thinking about this. I'm giving it to Enoch because, to me, this is a character who, like, what does he actually do for Thrawn? He just stands there, looks cool, barks out orders. That's it. He does not contribute to fights whatsoever. He's not involved in any strategic decisions. Why is what is his function? What is he actually providing as a value to the Empire, to Thrawn's Empire? So I'm giving Enoch the LVP here. And uh Pete, where are you going with it? Um This was tough for me. 
because I know what Nick's answer is going to be, and it's not that character. I, it has to be Shin Hati. I think that her character comes to a screeching halt this episode, even though we only see her for four minutes, not even two minutes, two, 30 seconds. It's just it, everyone in this in this season finale to me was was good. I know that you don't like um, Thrawn's right hand man. And I know what Nick's going to say, but like her character, we leave off with her just leading a bunch of biker raider people like she goes from this super cool character to literally a screeching halt. Um, so I'm going to give her the LVP. Uh, Nick, you want to take take your point away from uh, one of our leaders up here? Yeah, I'm giving the LVP to Thrawn for a long shot. This is supposed to be a military genius, and he continues to fail throughout the episode. He sends the TIE fighters to kill them. Doesn't kill them. Eh, it's okay. Let me send a, Let me send a ground unit. Oh, they don't stop him either. Oh, let me send Morgan. Oh, she doesn't stop him either. Oh, all right, I'm out of here. Oh, no, wait, Ezra's with me. He just failed the entire episode and made it seem like he was smarter than everybody else. I actually am kind of worried about his character now because they give him this idea of being this smart military guy. Meanwhile, he's using awful military tactics and losing the entire time to a point where the same person he's trying to get away from is with him. And he doesn't even know. Yeah, I think it's confirmed, P. We, we never got any clarity that Thrawn knew that Ezra's on board with him. I don't think he knew. No, I um, I agree with what Nick is saying. I think Thrawn was definitely weaker this episode than he ever has been in in the history of his character in Star Wars, and that's concerning. Um, well, we'll have to see what Thrawn looks like moving forward. I think, unfortunately, I think the plot had to do with a lot of this. If Thrawn was more calculated and and correct, I feel like you wouldn't get as much as the interesting. Are they going to make it on the ship? Are they even going to get there? Because if Thrawn is good, as good as he's supposed to be, they don't get even half as close. So I think, unfortunately, his character suffers to make an interesting plot for the finale and even just the show in general. It's kind of like what happened in season four Rebels a little bit, Nick, where like they had to just take him off screen. His character was too strong, too smart to be to be involved, give our guys a chance here. This may have been the aspect where like they kind of just dumbed him down for a second to give our guys a chance to have make an impact. No, I mean, Pete's right. Like If they made him as good as he should have been, he would have just left immediately, and they'd be like, oh, we're stuck. And then the credits would roll five minutes into the episode. Yeah. So it makes sense, but, I mean, it's supposed to be a military genius. They could have figured it out the way out. Yep. So last but not least here, we're going to do our grades for the episode on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 is worth the 1978 holiday special. 10 is out there at the prison break of Andor in terms of uh, the pinnacle of Star Wars on action content here. So, uh, Pete, what's your grade? Um, I'm giving it 8.5. Uh, I think it was a great episode. I like the finale. I like what happened. Um, it got me pumped to see what's to come next. And I was, you know, upset that I couldn't see more. And I think that's been a constant theme of this show for us. And we'll talk about that when we do a recap show. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just think there were some things about it. There were some things that were questionable and they could have done better. So it knocks off a couple points for me. 8.5. Uh, Nick, what's your grade? Uh, I'm going with a 7. I liked it a lot. Didn't think it was fantastic, but I liked it. And I'm excited about the future of Star Wars and what it holds. But there were definitely some issues in the episode that I feel can't right. though ignored. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to be the high man on the pound. Give us a nine out of 10, in my opinion. I like this episode a lot. I like the clever bit of writing Filoni did with this whole show where it ended in a way where we can pick up these characters for a season two. We can just bring them back in the Mando movie. He wanted to do that. They could be rest here. We don't have to see them again. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think very clever writing, great character growth and close out the arc of Sabine and Ahsoka's relationship very nicely that they both grew significantly here. Anakin back to nice touch here. Yes. Thrawn's a little stupid at points and that does hurt us a little bit here, but I think it's a solid nine. I think it's I think it's fair. I mean, I went a little under, and Nick, I think this is probably the... Nick, was this your lowest score for the show? Did you go lower? I think last week I gave the same score. Same score? Yeah, I'll check on that for a minute here for you, but that's all for this week on the podcast, and next week, this is a Sky Guys exclusive. Back to all the Sky Guys episodes going to be in there only until Skeleton Crew shows up, so that's going to be TBD on that here, but we're going to do our 
at our our season review where we go over the broad picture of season one and a lot of our questions about what could be looked ahead for the show. Maybe by this point next week we'll have some clarity about whether or not we're going to have a season two. Yeah, we'll see what the future holds for this show and Star Wars in general. We have shows coming that we know. We have shows that we're assuming are coming, like another season of this. Like, Is it even confirmed? I know the answer is yes, but is it confirmed as a season four of The Mandalorian yet? We know it's written. It has not officially been greenlit yet. Okay, so we know it's coming. But there's a bunch of things that are coming we know, and we'll have to see, especially when these strikes end, and we'll then get a better idea of when things are going to be coming. But for now, if I had to take a guess... If you're listening to us on Justin the Suffering, you probably won't hear from us until about March. Yeah, you think that's when we get Skeleton Cruise or is March? That's uh, around there, yeah. All right, I, I think I think I would agree with that. That's my that's my guess as well. If we we're gonna wait a little bit before we get into the live action show. Yeah. All right, and that's gonna do it for us here on the Ahsoka like weekly like uh, episode recap podcast here. Pete, thanks for coming on. If you want to follow on social media, I'm gonna do that. At Consi twenty nine C O N S Y twenty nine on Twitter. All right, uh, Nick, one more time. Be on follow us on social media. How can I do that? At Sky Guys Podcast. It's on Instagram. It is on Twitter. It's on Threads. And it's on TikTok. You can also follow me on Twitter, mphilips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. This week, we go around the Justin the Suffering Podcast. I spoke to SNY's Anthony McCarron to talk about uh, the MLB playoffs, preview that a little bit, plus a little bit on the end of the season for the Mets and the Yankees, what they could be looking forward to in the offseason here. So fun conversation, Nick. I recommend you check that one out as a Yankee fan. They can look forward to not having to lose anymore. Yep, that is certainly a possibility. So we'll be back next week for the Ahsoka Season Review Podcast. But until then, may the Force be with you.